from KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, this is Exactly. 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 A conversation series in search of a finer point. Now, here's your host, New York Times bestselling author Kelly Corrigan. So it's not every day that you sit down with a python. But I was in Miami, and so was he, so we grabbed 15 minutes to talk. At 75, John Cleese is an even better interview than you would have guessed. I could have talked to him for days. He's articulate and forthcoming, which is my favorite adjective, about everything from his withholding mother to his dicey relationship with his longtime Monty Python collaborator, Terry Gilliam. He's also unpredictable and flirty, and to use a word I don't think I ever have, zany. Like at one point he tossed all my notes under the sofa, and then after that he went into this crazy ape routine for like a minute just to see me squirm or make me laugh, or as it turned out, both. But when it comes to productivity, he's actually a serious man with serious ideas about what works and what's in the way. In fact, he leads creativity seminars, How much would you like to be in one of those? To help people face their anxieties and deal with distractions and interruptions and find what he calls gentle focus. I took serious notes, nodded constantly, and said to myself over and over, exactly. Hi. How are you? I'm fine. Good. Are you going to behave? No. Fantastic. We wouldn't (laughs) want it any other way. So great to have you here. It's lovely to be here. Lovely to be on a proper channel, you know. Yeah, there you go. So I wondered, um, what revealed itself to you as you were writing this book? Certain patterns that I hadn't seen before. I mean, there were two things that happened which were both very nice. It was, as Michael Caine told me once when he'd finished his autobiography, it's like shining light into corners of your life that have gone dark. You've forgotten about them, and then you start thinking about them, and you remember this, because memory's associative, then you remember that, and that, and that. Suddenly you start remembering things you've really totally forgotten. Do you have lots of journals? hmm? Did you have lots of journals and journals, And then I noticed I only kept them when I was unhappy. (laughs) I I have the same problem. I'm a journal keeper, and apparently every boy broke up with me, and I always hated myself. That's right, and yeah. then you write about it, and then you get happy and throw the journal away. Right, exactly. Yeah. You don't yeah. need to But write I've got them all over the place, and if those were published, I would come across as the most miserable sod. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of misery, um, I think that you had sort of a tough childhood. Uh, I think most people have tough childhood. I didn't think of mine as particularly tough, but I did have a very difficult relationship with my mother simply because she was, for all her good qualities, of which there were many, she was not capable of being empathetic, emotionally empathetic, obviously. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know how you can be unemotionally empathetic. But anyway, there wasn't that moment where we could look into each other's eyes and really feel we connected. But we yeah. did connect. We laughed. She had a very black sense of humor, and I could make her laugh by saying uh-huh. dreadful things. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I was fond of her. But uh, I think it made me, it made it much harder for most of my youth to really connect with women when I was talking to them because I just didn't know how to do it. You know. How interesting. And so do you think that you're a funny man because you came from sort of a, you had this tough relationship to sort through? 
Or do you think you would have been funny no matter whether your mother was... I have a feeling it was there anyway, but I think it's like all of these things. You've got to have a bit of a talent for it, and then you've got to work at it. Do you see what I mean? I think that's true whether you're talking about comedy or tennis. There's got to be some sort of talent there. And when I look back at my childhood, I think there were some very difficult moments, and I seemed to almost have taken a a humorous attitude towards them. So I think that helped. And I think yeah. a sense of humor is, is helpful because once you start laughing at your own behavior, yeah. uh, it's a tremendous step forward. My first therapist told me that because it means that you can look at yourself more objectively and then you have a yeah. chance of adjusting. Things. Yeah, there's a moment of detachment where you're not so hot and in the moment. You That's can right. look at yourself and well, say, my oh, favorite, for God's My favorite uh, definition of uh, humor was James Thurber. And he said, it's emotional chaos recalled in tranquility. And I think that's so nice, because at the time, you like that. And then a month later, you can fall about the laughter at it. You know? It's great. That's a, you, she should have that painted on your I wall, know, right? I know. Yeah, I, I really believe in that. And I think that if you have a, Arthur Miller once said, you know, is life a farce or a tragedy? And he said, there's arguments for both, but he thought it was a farce. And I find it much easier thinking of life as a farce. I mean, once you realize the people in charge don't really know what they're doing. And the people uh, at the top of organizations are in it for what they can get out of it by and large. Once you realize that, you say, okay, well, the world's always been like this. Um, let's yeah. enjoy <laughs> what's left of it. That's great. So I have a question about what, whether you think this is a good time for a young person to be entering comedy or if there are forces in the machine that are inhibiting it somehow. I think there's a lot of forces in the machine. I mean, the first, there's two things that really stop people being creative. And believe it or not, I do seminars on creativity. There are okay. interruptions and anxiety. Uh-huh. You've got, when, you, when you're trying to be creative, you can't deal with lots of incoming stuff. You can't, and I always wonder about people who have to work in open plan offices for that reason, but you just need to be able to focus in a very gentle way mm-hmm. on whatever it is where you, you're trying to be uh, creative. And the other thing is, um, you mustn't be, if you're worried about your sort of your ego, how, how am I going to look as a result of this, uh, or time pressure, those kind of anxieties, they push you into a more stereotypical way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And you just go along the usual ruts, you know. But to get out of the rut, you need a real space and, you, and a lack of anxiety. And I think at the moment, it's very hard for people to have that, particularly with the, all the IT devices yeah. beeping and blinking, you're always distracted, and that's not good for creativity. No, I know. Well, so I'm a mother, and I'm a writer, and yeah. so I'm constantly being interrupted, and I'm constantly feeling anxiety. Um, but I, I totally agree with the um, the pings, the, all the pinging. They're like little teeny You get arrows. in a car. If you hire a car, it, it, it starts making noises, and you have to figure out what each right. noise, and then there's another noise. To be tended to. And yeah, what, yeah, what does it mean? You know, yes. Is it going to break suddenly, yeah. or is a door going to fall off? Yeah. Or, you know? I say sometimes I feel like the, that I'm in service of the car, and the car is not in well, that's what technology does to us. Yeah. That we, th- we, we think it's going to serve us, and we finish up fitting into its requirements, yep. which is crazy, but that's what happens. Yeah. I remember seeing Michael Chabon, the great Pulitzer Prize-winning writer, talk about this app that he found that yeah. absolutely blocks him out of the web and his email when he's writing. And the only way to shake it off is to have to restart. And every time his Apple laptop makes that little sound that an Apple laptop makes when it opens, it, to him, it's associated with complete failure. 
because he did it. He did it again. He had to check some stupid yeah, email. Yeah, yeah, that's from right. Some and it was in the source. old days. It used to be uh, a phone ringing. People could know. My, mm -hmm. my, my, my ex-wife was a, a psychiatrist. She used to say there was a story about somewhere in Texas, and there was a guy who was shooting people from the top of a building, and and a, and a reporter got the idea of calling him because he knew what yeah. the number. And the guy put his gunned down and went and answered the phone. I thought that that's that's our lives. We're yeah. always distracted. That's that's certainly one reason. And I don't think this is a particularly optimistic time. Mm -hmm. You know, which is why we need comedy, but I'm not sure we're getting it. I think one of the other big problems, and I might be very unpopular, is I think there's a lack of general knowledge among younger people now. The attitude is why would I bother with history or geography mm -hmm. or they specialize. Kind of, they specialize very much, but it means that if you go out there, my daughter's a stand-up comic, a very good one, Camilla, and, and we often discuss the fact, well, I used to say, can you do some jokes like that? And they said, she says, Dad, they won't, they just won't pick the references up, you know. Mm. I always wanted to make a film called 1776. Uh, but now I think people would say, well, that rings a bell, but what did happen? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. And like they it, don't, we don't have the common knowledge no, for we, you to layer onto. No, we need on more, more things to be able to refer to. Otherwise, we're, we're down to things like, uh, oh, my good, what was it called? The, the, the guys in Las Vegas and the tiger and getting, hang on. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Now, that, hang on, it's got some really funny stuff in it. But it's like that's all you can refer to now is drugs, sex, hookers. Interesting. Gambling. You know, it's very, very sports, celebrity. How about, how do you like what John Oliver's doing and what John Stewart does? Terrific. Yeah. Terrific. Because that's something that's in your guys, past, right? You am, did that sort of thing. Yes. I, Playing but I with never the news. Did an, I never did much satire, and I think that... Uh, those three, uh, Stephen Colbert, yeah, you know, and and John and and uh, Oliver and and also Bill Maher. I think they're absolutely marvelous. You're listening to Exactly on KQED Public Radio. We'll be back after a break. This program was recorded with support from the team at Medium, the place to share stories and ideas that matter most to you. If you're enjoying this conversation, check out our podcast. You can hear more authors like writer Anne Lamott. I mean, I'm 60. I forgot to work out after I had a child. I meant to. Um, and, you know, I have a five-year-old grandson now, but he said to me, um, Nana, can I take a shower with you if I promise not to laugh? <laughs> That's Anne Lamott on our podcast at kqed.org slash exactly or on iTunes. Welcome back to Exactly. I'm Kelly Corrigan with John Cleese. In here, I was reading you had this sort of hierarchy of what you admire or what you think is the degree of difficulty of various comedic moments. So you can tell a joke then you can do a parody, then you can create a situation, and then you can create like a comedic character. Yeah, Is that like sort of... That's more or less right. I think the two, the crea creating a really good comedic situation and a really good comedic character, uh, I think those are the two top ones. You see, I'm, I'm pretty good at creating situations, but Michael Palin is a genius at, at creating comic characters. Uh-huh. And so what situation did you create that you're most proud of looking back? Oh, you can brag on yourself a well, little bit. Well, I was bit. thinking about um, an interview where somebody asked you a question and you couldn't come up with an answer and you just sat there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a strange situation. 
Come back. Hmm? <laughs> Do you think there's anyone out there right now who reminds you of your younger self? No, there was a guy called Angus Dayton in England who used my speech patterns, or at least they sounded like my uh -huh. speech patterns, and they did to everyone else. But he didn't do, to attempt to uh, mimic the kind of humor that I did. I don't see anyone out there at the moment doing our kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, when I talked to Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie when they were doing a sketch show together, they uh -huh. said that the moment they got into Python area, they would back off. Instead of doing it because Python was successful, they'd say, no, no, that's Python right. area. So I always felt that was, it was a strange, but I, I think that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting. Do in, you really? Yes. Oh, just, just smashing. <laughs> what are you sending me up? I'm for? just what imitating you to flatter you. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do that. Why not? Oh, you're taking away my questions. Mm. All right. My last question is, mm. uh, what is the role of um, collaboration in your life? You have had some great collaborators. Mm. <laughs> Somebody help me. Somebody give me a line. Who did you collaborate with? Tell me about Graham. <laughs> I'm sorry. Who did I call? Chapman. Yeah. Graham Chapman. Yeah, He's yeah. such an important person in your life. Well, he was a terrific collaborator because you won't believe this. When we were young and we had a little experience, he just, if he laughed, it meant that the audience was going to laugh. And that uh -huh. was priceless, priceless. And the other thing was, he was a lazy bugger. I always, really? Oh, yeah. I used to say there were two types of days with Graham. The days when I did 80% of the work, and then there were days when he did 5% of the work. But, <laughs> but he, he would just sit there puppy on his pipe, um, and you'd kind of think, hello? And then he'd suddenly just toss out this idea out of the blue, yeah. you know, as they say, out of left field. And you say, oh, that's fantastic. Now we can go off in a more interesting direction. Yeah. So it was great working with him. But you were the you were the uh, I the was engine. the engine room. Yeah. I was the engine room, and he would just sit out there and, and just chill. But it was a, the point about a team is, you want people who can do different things. Absolutely, team, not the absolutely. Same one, you know? Yeah, and, and come up with different kinds of thoughts and have different kinds of skills. So you can see, I barely got through that conversation, but I did manage to ask him my favorite seven questions. So here's John Cleese on music, mothers, and how the Queen spends her time. What song have you listened to more than any other? Oh, um, <clears throat> I loved uh, I loved that musical, um, Grace Kelly, Frank Sinatra, Bing Crosby said. Oh, I love it. Uh, high Society? High Society. I love that. Anything from High Society. You see, when I'm writing, I notice that certain music puts me in, in the right mood. And if I'm in any, if in any doubt at all whether I need my spirits lifted or a little bit of energy, uh -huh. high society. Best oh, music, fantastic. best lyrics. Oh, I'm going to do it every time I get stuck. Can you and sing I'll anything from you. it? No, not one thing. Can you? Uh, I want to be a millionaire. <laughs> Hit it. That's. <laughs> <laughs> I sing so badly that I was once in a Broadway musical and I was forbidden to sing. <laughs> I, I mimed all the chorus numbers. Maybe this leads to question number two. If you had a year to get really good at something, what would you try? <sighs> Sex. <laughs> Who do people say you look just like? Oh, uh, John Lithgow. Oh, sure. John, sure, has been, sure, sure. John has been called the American John Cleese. I've been called the, American, the English John Lithgow. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Uh, if your mother wrote a book about you, what would it be called? It would be all about me. It oh. would be called. 
And the funny thing well, is, narcissism. her, her yes. initials were Muriel Evelyn, M-E. Oh, wow, that's rich. Um, what would you like to see fixed in your lifetime? Death. Mm -hmm. yeah. If everyone on earth could kill one person without repercussion, would you be killed by whom and why? Oh, how interesting. Uh, how, who would want to kill me? Terry Gilliam, I think. Really? Yes, I think so. He doesn't, mm. he doesn't like having me around because I'm so much brighter than he is. It's oh. kind of... Oh. <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> We're going viral, people. Uh, <laughs> if you could say for no, he and I never agree on anything. Oh, really? Really, nothing. Absolutely nothing. But, but you worked together for decades. Yeah, but there's a sort of grudging goodwill yeah. between us. <laughs> well, that's over now. Yeah, that's I think a, that's over. Oh no, no, he's got a he's got an autobiography coming out in a few months. I'm sure he'll be having a go at me. Fortunately, it's being ghost ridden. <laughs> Well, he's, he's quite a good writer, but he can't do W's. Okay. If you could say four words... <laughs> if you could say four words to anyone... Yes. Whom would you address, and what would you say? I would say to the Queen of England, mm. stop polishing that antelope. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. I had two exactly moments. One, I was hugely relieved that somebody like John Cleese, a master in his field, a man who created landmark work, has trouble concentrating. That helps me a lot because it means that my trouble concentrating isn't a sign that I am unsuited for the work I so want to do, which I sometimes feel. Focus is glorious and hard to come by. And if you struggle to sustain it, that puts you in the very same boat as giants like Michael Chabon or John Cleese. Two, I loved that James Thurber quote, or James Thurber, as John Cleese put it. Humor is emotional chaos recalled in tranquility. It made me want to process my chaos faster so I can kick back and recall it with amusement. That's all for this one. Love being on the ride with you. Let's be in touch. This is exactly... Produced by KQED Public Radio in San Francisco. This interview was recorded with help from the team at Medium, the place to share stories and ideas that matter most to you. Special thanks also to PBS Bookview Now. So, you know John Cleese is funny, but do you know how funny musician Matt Nathanson can be? I need both of you to put down your feelings in the feelings journal. She's five. She's like, you can draw a picture or whatever you need to do, but you can do this. This morning, I woke up, I'm like, how'd you sleep, Bubba? She's like, I see that you didn't put your feelings in the journal. You can hear the whole conversation with Matt Nathanson and many more on our podcast at kqed.org slash exactly or in iTunes. Thanks to our team, producers Kat Snow and Anna Adlerstein, coordinating producer Melissa Williams, engineer Jim Bennett, production manager Jennifer Harrison, and executive producer Michael Issop. I'm Kelly Corrigan. Thank you so much for listening, and please do be in touch. <laughs> <laughs>